You're listening to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. On every episode, I talk to you about uplifting, empowering, and inspirational topics that can help you to stand up and fight those beasts in your life and to just live a life filled with much more happiness, strength, and courage. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or on SoundCloud so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. You can also find this directly on my website at ValerieSilvera.com. You are not alone. I am standing with you. Hello, friends. Today, it's all about using the F word. Okay, I'm not going to get myself in trouble by talking about that other F word. (laughs) I'm talking about the good F word the biggie, the one that you should use every possible chance you get. It's the F word that has literally changed my life. What's super cool about what I'm going to share with you today is further proof that this stuff works, further proof that using the F word can change your life in ways that you don't even understand today. Because when I wrote what I'm going to share with you today in Still Stand After All the Tears, I didn't realize just how much I was going to have to use the F word and in a way that I never could have imagined. Well, I guess I could sort of imagined it because I had gone through something similar, not the same, but similar. And I will get to that in a minute, but stick with me because I think this can really help you in so many areas of your life because if you really start thinking about it and examining your frustrations and how you're feeling about other people, you might come to realize that you are holding on to a lot of unforgiveness. You really need to start throwing that F word around. So let me share this with you and then I'm going to tell you afterward just how significant this work was and I had no idea how much I was going to need it. Let's start out with the fact that the F word will set you free. Start using that F word. If you've been living with or battling a beast, you need the F word for sure. Everybody needs to be using the F word, whether or not you're living with some big old beast or not. It's just for everyday life because the F word will set you free. I love what Max Licato said about it. Forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing you were the prisoner. And that's the whole deal. You really are the prisoner when you don't forgive somebody. And by the way, we, I know we get a little confused about this because we think that if we forgive them, we're somehow saying what they did was okay. That's not what it is. Stick with me here. Forgiving may be one of the biggest obstacles you come up against. And once you learn to do it often, it will be one of the most powerful things you ever do. Forgiving another person for an offense can seem as if we are excusing the behavior. So we choose not to forgive. Instead, we become angry, resentful, and bitter. Holding on to anger and resentment rarely results in hurting or changing another person. We only hurt ourselves. So start using the F word all the time. Listen, when the guy shot my daughter, and I'm talking about my daughter being shot in 2004, a shooting that she did live through. 
I, in my book, Still Standing After All the Tears, I decided to refer to this guy as the guy. I just didn't feel like using his name. So when the guy shot my daughter, I wanted him to suffer. I wanted him to suffer. I was a mama bear and my cub had nearly been killed. I was hurt and scared. I wanted him to pay for what he did. And I carried that anger around for a long time, even after he was convicted and sent to prison. According to the law, the guy was paying for what he did, but that wasn't good enough for me. Jamie had changed. In my book, by the way, and still standing after all the tears, I referred to Jamie as Jordan. I just did that out of respect for her story. I actually thought that one day she would tell her own story. I had visions of us standing on a stage together and telling our stories together. And I just, I just wanted her to be able to tell her story as her real name for the first time when she finally told her story. Um, for those of you that know, my daughter was murdered in, in August 2016, so she didn't get to tell her story, but it's okay. We're telling it together. So anyway, as I was saying, you know, it wasn't good enough. I, I blamed him. So, you know, for three years, here's the deal. For three years leading up to the shooting, Jamie had made terrible decisions, some having nothing to do with the guy, but it didn't matter. I wanted and needed to blame someone other than... I, I'm, if I say Jordan, it's because I'm getting, I'm kind of uh, reading from sort of from my book, Still Standing After All the Tears, and because I called her Jordan. So listen, if I accidentally call her Jordan, she's the same person, <laughs> Jamie and Jordan. Sorry about that. I kind of wish I hadn't done that because it has caused some confusion, but here we are. So, I mean, the, here's the deal. The guy was the obvious choice for my anger. I mean, obviously, he shot her. She had 50 staples holding her gut back together. It was a near-fatal gunshot wound. But you know what? The guy had no idea how angry I was with him or whether or not I'd forgiven him. If he had known, he probably wouldn't have cared. So who was I punishing? Me. The guy was not the only one in prison. Even after he went to prison, I was locked up in my self-imposed prison of unforgiveness. Once I came to that realization, I opened the prison door and slowly set myself free. And I say slowly because it might take you some time. I mean, you're, you've been holding on to this unforgiveness for a while. And, and it's going to seem counterintuitive because we equate justice and forgiveness as if they're one and the same. So it might take you some time. So that's why I said that it happened for me over time. So here's what I want you to think about. Expending energy holding on to anger is foolish. I mean, it really is foolish. When you're battling a beast, you need all the energy that you have focused in the right direction. Don't waste any of it living with anger and resentment as a result of your unwillingness to forgive. Are you holding back on forgiveness? If you are, open the prison door and set yourself free. Give yourself a pardon. The F word may be harder to say to yourself than it is to say to others, even people who have hurt you deeply. Can you relate to this? Sometimes the difficulty lies in the uncertainty of why you need to forgive yourself. It may be, the, may be that you are attempting to blame yourself unnecessarily. So what I'm saying is sometimes you, you can't even figure out how to forgive yourself because you aren't even sure what you did wrong, but you've been blaming yourself and you don't even know what you're blaming yourself for. For the better part of 13 years, I picked myself apart in an attempt to pinpoint the cause of Jamie's behavior. 
and eventually her addiction. Separating me from my child proved nearly impossible. I was a single parent for many of Jamie's formidable years and therefore concluded there must have been something I did or didn't do that caused Jordan's disease, Jamie's disease. It had to be my fault that she jumped on her roller coaster from hell. At the very least, I had to be a contributor. It didn't matter that she didn't blame me or that my family and friends told me I was a great mother. Nothing anyone said could keep me from the mental and emotional abuse I piled on myself. It proved much easier for me to even forgive Jamie for her choices than it was for me to forgive myself for something I had yet to figure out. Mama and Papa Bears find it much simpler to point the finger at themselves than at their cubs. When teenagers and adult children cause a mother terrible pain and heartbreak, she will give herself whiplash, turning the other cheek. Wives forgive abusive husbands until they're blue or black in the face. Granting self-forgiveness can be very difficult. You may have made some very bad choices in the past. Hey, I am not judging you because I have made plenty of bad choices. Maybe you have caused the people you love a great deal of pain. Maybe you're listening to this and you've been an addict or you've done something that has caused people pain. If you've already asked the people you have hurt for forgiveness but are continuing to withhold that forgiveness from yourself, then you're choosing the prison of unforgiveness. We have all made mistakes. Rich and I were talking about this today, actually, that, you know, in God's eyes, he doesn't have this whole list of, well, this is a really super bad mistake and this one's okay. And, you know, this is an okay sin and this one's medium sin. I mean, you know, sin's a sin is, is a sin. So we need to quit judging and pointing the finger at other people. And we certainly need to stop doing that to ourselves. We have all made mistakes. There are plenty of choices I've made, things I've said or actions I've taken for which I am not proud most people will tell you if they had it to do over, they would do things the same way. I wonder if that's true. I would go back and do many things differently. I think I talked about this on the last podcast. Whether you would choose to change the past or not, you can't. You can't change a single second of the past, but you can choose to forgive yourself. Until you can find a way to forgive yourself, it will be difficult for you to truly forgive anybody else. In our attempts to control a very out-of-control situation, we attempt to control others. Maybe not the direct actions or behaviors, but sometimes we try to control what others think or feel. Now, this is something I did. I was caught in between what I assumed people thought or felt about Jamie and how I felt about her, right? They were very different. Since I was enabling her and trying to control her behavior, I remained convinced that she was going to turn the corner at any moment and my family would be whole again. Therefore, I wanted to be sure when she did, she would be welcomed back with open arms by everyone. See, I was deciding for everybody else. This is really about control. And uh, what I'm sharing with you right now is from action number seven, which is stop being a control freak from my book, Still Standing After All the Tears. So, uh, you know, it's not easy to separate ourselves from our families and especially our children. Maybe you've experienced this in some way where something that somebody in your family did caused you to feel as if you did it. Do you know what I'm talking about? We believe they are a reflection of our, of their upbringing. This is especially with children of their upbringing, therefore of us, or even something maybe your spouse did. You feel like, well, you married them, so you're responsible. Even interestingly enough, this is not in the book. I'm, I'm going off, off topic here a little bit. 
But even um, parents, if parents do something, somehow the child feels responsible for what the parent did or that it's a reflection on them. So once again, talking about how I was feeling, um, as far as our children, we believe they are a reflection of their upbringing and therefore of us. If the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, how in the world could Jamie be in another orchard? Because I felt as if she was nothing like me. The thing she was doing was nothing like me. When someone goes off the rails, we are all guilty of jumping to conclusions about their family. We have all done this. I don't know about you listeners, but I certainly have. Everyone is curious about the parents of a school shooter or a serial killer. After an unimaginable event, it's natural to look for answers in an attempt to reconcile what has happened. And the entire family ends up under a microscope. Have you done that? I do it all the time when something horrific happens like this. The first thing that comes to my mind is I wonder what what kind of a family they came from. Even me after doing all this work, I still fall back into that that first thought that comes to my mind, which is not cool. Um, So it isn't, I mean, it isn't much different with addicts. And so I've experienced this firsthand, so I definitely should know better. People want to find an easy answer as to why the addiction manifested, whose DNA it came from, or what happened to cause the addiction. We go looking for answers, and the first stop is the family. I used to do this. In certain cases, family actions could have a great deal to do with how a child turns out or what they wind up, or whether or not they wind up addicted to drugs or alcohol. Many addicts or people who have made very bad choices come from good homes. Boy, have I learned this one. Unfortunately, people continue to jump to conclusions about without understanding the complicated disease of addiction or other factors. I had jumped to those same conclusions many times before I had an addicted child. It hurts when a family member acts in ways that are opposed to your values or expectations. You have a connection to your loved ones. So when they do something dishonest or worse, there is a part of you that feels a certain sense of responsibility. Every fiber of your being becomes defensive, even if you're sickened by their actions. It feels like a direct hit when a negative comment or feeling has been launched at your child or really at at anybody that you love. The actions of your family members, even your children, are not your actions. People may judge you because of the actions of your child, husband, brother, mother, aunt, or another family member. There's nothing you can do about it. So let them play judge and jury. Just as we can't control the behavior of our loved ones, we can't control the thoughts or feelings that other people have about those loved ones. And and I know that was a big one for me. I really, I said it a little while ago, I wanted to control what other people were thinking or feeling about Jamie because it hurt. She was my baby, my daughter. I didn't want people feeling bad things about her. Plus, I knew who she was underneath it all. And I think that's easier for me as her mom I mean, I understand. I, be, I, come, I came to understand how people could feel how they did. And, and I stopped being frustrated and trying to control how they thought or felt. I started to just to understand where they might be coming from. But it's a difficult road. But, you know, we, we have no control over what other people think or feel. And, we, and it, it doesn't do us any good to do that. And that's, by the way, what causes us lots of times to not forgive ourselves. So it may be that you're assuming people. Now listen to this one. It may be that you are assuming people are more judgmental than they are or that they are thinking about you far more than they are. When my children were overly concerned about what others were thinking, 
This is what I would tell them. Now, you might have to listen to this one. It's kind of a tongue twister. Don't spend so much time thinking about what others are thinking about you. They don't spend nearly as much time thinking about you as you do thinking about them thinking about you. You get what I'm saying? They're not thinking about you as much as you think. In fact, you might be spending far more time worried about what they're thinking than they're actually thinking about you. So you're just exhausting yourself. And that's, you know, a lot of the reason that keeps you in the self-blame mode, not forgiving yourself for whatever. The amount of self-contempt, judgment, and guilt that you pile on yourself may be far greater than what anyone else will send your way. In any case, let it go. You've got to forgive yourself. F them. I kind of had fun when I named this section of this chapter. <laughs> the day I got the call inform- informing me the guy was released from the county jail and into the hands of the state correctional system, I didn't react the way I thought I would. I didn't throw my arms up and cheer. I never had the party I claimed I was going to throw. Instead, I bawled like a baby. I held my face in my hands and pictured the guy. I saw him in a prison jumpsuit with hands and ankles shackled, acting tough as fear took over every fiber of his being. It overwhelmed me to think about the once innocent baby whose life path brought him to a state of mind where he would abuse girls and fire a gun into a house full of people. 19 years after the innocent baby entered the world, he was headed to the state penitentiary. Instead of feeling vindicated, I wept for the situation and I forgave the guy. Then I took it back. This is important for you to understand because I'm over here, you know, preaching to you all about using the F word. I want you to understand that even the person who, who's teaching and training on this had a difficult time actually doing it. I, I love this scripture from the Bible. And, and in this section, I said, use the F word all the time. When asked how many times a brother should be forgiven for sinning against him, Jesus replied, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. Even after you forgive someone, something might trigger an old feeling. And like I did with the guy, you will snatch your forgiveness back as quickly as you gave it. Forgiveness lightens the load you're carrying. So resist the urge to grab it back after you've given it away. If you keep taking back the forgiveness you've let go of and piling it back onto yourself, before long you have a new thousand pound beast on your shoulders. There's no expiration date on forgiveness, so just keep at it. The important thing is to keep forgiving until you have nothing left to forgive. Forgiving the source of your pain. Now, this was this is the last one I'm going to talk about, and then I want to share with you, you know, something more recent. But forgiving the source of your pain. It took me some time to forgive Jamie. I now understand that, you know, she had a disease, but my frustration over her reluctance to treat that disease left me, among so many other emotions, angry. When someone has a disease affecting another part of their body, they seek treatment. People take insulin, heart medication, and use a whole host of other options to treat diseases. With drug addiction, the disease seems to repel treatment, making it harder for the patient to seek help. Drug addiction is a beast, a very large one. I hate drug addiction. I hate Jamie's beast, but I love Jamie, so I had a hard time separating the two. My reluctance to forgive her was the age-old concern. I mentioned this at the beginning of this podcast. The age-old concern that... Uh-oh, I lost myself. I lost my place here. Um, uh-oh, where'd I go? Where'd I go? 
Oh, the age-old concern that forgiveness somehow excuses or justifies the behavior. I had no intention of forgiving the drug addiction beast. Why should I? I want you to think about that. I had no intention of forgiving the beast that had a hold of my daughter. Why should I? The answer is simple. Jamie's beast is a part of her, and therefore I had to forgive the whole thing. I forgave her for the lies, deceit, and for her her unwillingness to fight. I forgave her for bringing danger and violence into our lives. I forgave her for wasting our money, ruining holidays and birthdays, and breaking my heart over and over again. I forgave her for tearing apart the thing I so desperately wanted back together, my family. I forgave her for all of it. If I didn't forgive Jamie's drug addiction beast, I couldn't have completely forgiven her. Had I not been able to forgive her, it would have been much more difficult to forgive myself. I hope you're still listening because this one is important. Forgiving something as big and evil as as Jamie's beast made it easier for me to forgive myself and to forgive others. Let go of anger and resentment. Whether or not another party is guilty, be generous with forgiveness and it will pave the way for much healing. Believe it or not, forgiving your beast may be a stepping stone to removing him from your life. Recognize the absolute necessity to forgive. Forgiveness is for you. Let God deal with others. Let them deal with themselves. Let the justice system deal with them. Let their journey take them where it needs to take them. Use the F word. So obviously that that whole um, mindset, that decision, those decisions, I should say, to forgive, forgive myself, forgive Jamie and, and the beast and the guy and all that stuff, that, that would have been good enough. If, if nothing else had transpired with regard to all of this, that would have been good enough for me to let all of that go and not carry around anger and, and, and allow that guy to destroy more of my life. I mean, he, he changed my life forever. And I didn't want him to be able to change any more of my life in a negative way. So I made that decision and and it was work and it took time. I'm actually very grateful. I mean, I know it sounds bizarre for me to say I'm grateful. I'm not grateful. My daughter was shot. I mean, I, I still have a hard time sometimes believing that I'm saying this, you know, that my daughter's been shot and then she was shot again. And, and the second time, of course, it was fatal. But had I not learned that lesson that began back in 2004 and it took a little while, you know, I mean, I did forgive him as, as you heard me say, but then I snatched it back. I did that a few times before I finally fully let it go and absolutely forgave him. And it's so bizarre, you guys. I mean, it's it, to, to really be here where I could forgive somebody for something that big. It, it's kind of shocking. I mean, there are times when I still wonder, is this really me? I mean, I'm a redhead, I'm Irish, I'm feisty. I mean, I wanted to kick his ass, to be perfectly honest with you. But the fact that that I'm here, I mean, it's a downright miracle. I mean, it's a testimony. It's a testimony to the fact that miracles still happen and that, you know, God never gave up on me. It's also a testimony to the work that I did to get here to, you know, I I kept asking for peace and all this stuff. But, you know, I I felt like God was saying, well, what are you going to do to get it? I'm here to grant it, but you've got to do some stuff too, girl. And so anyway, again, um, this is why I really encourage you, you know, whatever you're holding on to, forgive now, 
forgive often, learn how to do it all the time. You learn how to use that effort because God forbid if something really super big happens. And, and by the way, I never could have imagined something super big would happen bigger than the super big thing that happened when she was shot in 2004 and nearly died. But, you know, it did. On August 28th, 2016, some other guy, the other guy called him when I wrote Misery, you don't get my company. I called him the other guy. Um, he killed her. Um, and uh, I still want forgiveness. And this is what I kind of wanted to get to. And I, I, you've heard me talk about this before if you follow this podcast or any of my other work. That it took me a while. But here's what I want you to really understand. There's a big difference between justice and forgiveness. And of course, unfortunately, I've had to learn that twice. The justice system needs to deal with him. And, you know, he it's an unsolved murder right now, and it's over two years. And maybe it will be unsolved forever. And this is just another lesson that I'm having to learn. And my husband and my son and, you know, our family, uh, we're going to have to get through this the best way we know. And the best way I know is to, is to forgive him, to pray for justice, and, and hope that it happens because I do believe that even in the spiritual world, we're supposed to follow the law. And he broke the law. He took somebody's life. I do believe that he should pay for that, but I don't have any control over it. I mean, there's all sorts of factors involved in this case and, you know, it may never come to trial. That happens. It happens more often than I had ever had any idea. So I'm not going to carry that around though. You see what I'm saying? I am not going to go back into that prison of unforgiveness because I already used the key. I already unlocked the door and set myself free and I don't want to go back there. I don't want to put those handcuffs on my on my wrists. I don't want to put the shackles on my feet. I don't want to be a prisoner anymore. The other thing is, is that after Jamie's murder, um, she and I hadn't seen each other for a year and a half. And it wasn't that we were unhappy with each other or anything like that. We loved each other very much. And, and any communication we did have was very loving. But I hadn't even had a, anything from her, text, email, or anything for a year. Because I was just letting her go in love and letting her do her thing. And I was also trying to stay safe. Um, anyway, there's a lot of... of um, I, I don't, I'm not wanting to get into all of that. But anyway, because of that, as you can imagine... I started to blame myself. I started to jump right in there once again and blame myself and find reasons to not forgive myself. And it's because I'd done this work and I've learned this and I, I, I'm such a believer in the nine actions and all of the things that I teach, I let it go fairly quickly. And so as I said, I still want justice, but I, I will not... Um, I've, I've learned to separate the two and that's what I suggest that you do figure out how to separate the difference between justice and forgiveness somebody you love can do something really really horrible and, and they may need to pay for it they may need to go to jail they may need to you know whatever you may need to not even have somebody in your life anymore that has wronged you but you can let them go with love and forgiveness Truly, I, I, I just wish, if you're not where I am, I wish I could somehow help you to feel what it's like to, to be this kind of a person because I never could have imagined I would be that kind of a person. 
I didn't think that feisty people like me who, uh, you know, I'm a very law-abiding citizen and, and believe in justice and righteousness and doing the right thing and integrity and all this kind of stuff. I never thought that I would be the kind of person that could forgive as easily as I do. And, and I think I mentioned in Misery You Don't Get My Company that I even have these feelings sometimes. They're going away more and more, but every now and then I have the feeling as if it's all going to just go away. You know, I'm not going to have this peace anymore. I'm going to just stop forgiving. But yet day after day, it keeps going by, and here I am. And you can be there too. It's going to take practice. It's just going to take some time. So give yourself a break, but work at it. Do yourself a favor. Take out the key, put it in that lock, unlock the door, and set yourself free. And I am here to tell you the F word is the way to set yourself free. Hope this helps. Until next time, know that I'm always standing with you. I'm cheering you on. You are so worth living a life of peace and joy and happiness and not carrying around the burden of unforgiveness. I love you. Have an awesome day. This has been another uplifting episode of Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Whatever you are going through, please remember that you are not alone. I am standing with you. Thank you.